Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Rudzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Carlos Moreno, co-executive director of Big Picture Learning, a nonprofit educational organization that, since 1995, has developed over 150 schools in the United States and throughout the world. He's a proud native New Yorker committed to creating high-quality, non-traditional schools that tackle systemic issues related to equity in education. He's also an author and a speaker, but he's happiest, as he says, when he's rolling up his sleeves and getting it done. Carlos, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Happy to be here with you all. Carlos, there's a lot of talk in education and learning about putting students at the center. It's a phrase that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. You said something during one of your talks that really made its meaning clear to us. And you said this, before we can talk about learning, we must know our students' stories and believe in their greatness. How do you start with those stories and build a school around that belief? I think we at Big Picture find that too often times schools dive right into trying to figure out what it is that students cannot do or what it is that they don't know. And this deficit kind of focus from the onset is just incredibly detrimental. And it's just one of the things that we just do not do with young people. So for us, one of the very first things that young people and students at Big Picture Learning School do is share a little bit about themselves with not just their classmates, but also their teachers and the rest of the faculty at the school. And a very distinct way that that's done is through what we call a Who Am I project, to tell a little bit about themselves, but also do some research and learn a bit more about their stories, their histories, their experiences, maybe that weren't theirs directly, but those of their parents, of their loved ones, of their siblings that have helped inform who they are. What we have seen is that when the adults that specifically work with young people have this other perspective of who our young people are beyond what might have been captured in a transcript or a report card, it gives us a very different entry point in working with young people. And in many of our schools, we also often have our staff that actually visit homes of the young people, right? So we start off with learning plans and conversations with families instead of that first engagement needing to be on school grounds, right? It's just there's this offer for our advisors and our staff to actually spend time at a student's home, and if not at the student's home, somewhere in their community. You know, it's so interesting during the pandemic, I've heard so many educators talk about how through Zoom or other remote means, they've gotten glimpses into their students' homes and it's created a different sort of empathy. This is part of the work of Big Picture well before the pandemic about building that empathy and reorienting teachers about who their students are, as you've just described. Has building that culture been tough work? Is it reorienting the adults in some ways about the ways that they notice who their kids are? It was challenging in a lot of ways prior to the pandemic. And then once the pandemic began, I think there were two things that were at play. The schools that already were open and operating and implementing a lot of our practices and had already built community with students and families. We experienced some challenge, I think, with the new students that entered our schools in the midst of the pandemic and recognizing that this is a non-conventional type of schooling experience. A lot of our emphasis was to ensure that the students were okay, that their families were healthy, that their basic human needs were being met. And if there's anything that we could do to support them, beyond just teaching and learning, but ensuring that we were lifting them up 
I think that was a departure, especially for some of our newer teachers that joined the fold in this past year. Carlos, big picture learning schools have gotten some really amazing results. The first ever graduating class of your first school had a 96% graduation rate, a 98% admissions rate to secondary education, and lots of scholarship money. More importantly, your schools provide space for students to, as you say, fully and with courage pursue their passions and interests. Big picture learning is interesting in that your organization seems to credit the success almost entirely to the relationships that your schools forge and the communities that surround your students. Every student is part of a small advisory group. Everybody's assigned a mentor. Can you sort of walk us through the process of what this means in practice? When a student comes to big picture learning and says, I'm interested in architecture, or even I'm interested in drawing, what happens next? What support is that student given? We're pretty unapologetic about our emphasis in beginning with building relationships because we do see our support of young people beyond just the moment in which we're with them, right? Those hours within the school day. So it's, it's fascinating that you used drawing and architecture because architecture may be often something that young people show up to our doors with in ninth grade and say, hey, I want to be an architect and may just have a very light idea around what that actually means, perhaps haven't even had an opportunity to have a conversation with an architect and meet an architect and know all that that entails. So one of the things that we try to do is to say, what's some of the things that you enjoy doing? Not necessarily always, what do you want to be, right? Because oftentimes folks will say, what do you want to do when you're an adult or when you grow up? When we hear drawing and maybe architecture, we try to unpack that, right? With the young person, what, what are the aspects of that that you enjoy? Let's say if we hone in on architecture, let's say as a field of interest. One of the things we try to do is support the young person in actually establishing an opportunity to have informational interviews with architects. Think about what are the local architectural firms or architects that are independently working, supporting a young person in making a call, creating a phone script to actually make a call on their own, not being done for them, but really supporting them to do it and to set up an informational interview for 15, 20 minutes with a local architect and share their passion and their own interests with another young person that's curious about what they do. After an informational interview, if that goes well and those questions that the student had designed by his or herself are answered and they're still curious and want to know more, they may follow up with what we would call a shadow day. So they can spend a half day to a full day, maybe just observing and following an architect. And in that process, think anthropologically, right? Like really dig deep into like, what does the day-to-day work look like? What is required to be able to do this work long-term? Then they come back to the school and their advisor, which is our teachers at the school, then kind of debrief that with them. What were the things that you enjoyed and loved about that? Is this a space where you could see yourself potentially? What are the questions that you still have? And then that may lead us to then the formal ask for an internship opportunity, which is a core element of our design where young people are pursuing their interests and passions. There are times where you go through that entire process and the young person says, you know what, this is absolutely not what I want to do. I thought this was something else and that's okay. And we encourage that. So that's where we talk about what are the other industries, what are the other areas, what are the other opportunities that involve your passion for drawing, that involve perhaps your passion for building design. We just begin that exploration with our young people. I really like what you said about starting by asking students what they enjoy, not necessarily what do you want to be when you grow up, but what do you enjoy doing right now? I'm curious about how students react to that. I I would imagine for a lot of them, that's not 
something they're used to being asked at school. Yeah, no, it's it's new for young people, and I think it's also new for adults. Sure, <laughs> you know, it's not starting with content. It's not starting with the unit. It's starting with the student and their interests, and then developing that unit of study, the experience, the curriculum around that student's interests, and a project that is real. Ideally, that would give back to the internship site that incorporates math elements and thinking empirically, and tons of research, and tons of communication and writing. A lot of the skills that we believe are just essential in, in this world that we still know very little about, and areas and careers that are still forming and still developing. This is Greg Bear along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Carlos Moreno, Executive Director of Big Picture Learning. Carlos, it's not just your learners. It's the parents and families and caregivers whom you involve too. So how do you do that? And how are they involved in shaping the students' learning plans? Our parents are essential partners for us in supporting success and the education of their babies in so many ways. So one of the first things that we do with parents is whether it's a learning plan meeting that happens at the family's home or at a local coffee shop in their community or at a laundromat, it's a space and opportunity for the parents to be able to weigh in like, this is the young person I see at home. And these are also some of the other responsibilities that they have. And these are also my dreams and wishes for my child. And sometimes, you know, you calibrate some of that because we also want to hear from the young person. It's an opportunity to kind of sit and hear from the young person and also the adult on the hopes and dreams and wishes for the young person. And more times than not, those things totally reconcile, right? They align. We often talk about what are some of the activities that the young person and the learner should be doing or can be doing when they're not in school, understanding what are some of the other demands that are in the household. Are there multiple siblings, parents' work schedule? It's an opportunity and a window to better understand context and to listen and also to flex and be open to supporting the parent in their role of supporting the young person in their learning. And then the exhibitions, which are quarterly or every trimester within our schools, depending on where they're located, parents are instrumental in those. So our goal is to always remain flexible so that parents can attend those. There are learning plans that follow those exhibitions, kind of debrief the exhibition, the presentation of learning and what was heard opportunities that still remain for going deeper in the work and for continuing to expand on the work that they've started. And then also what's the role that the parent is also willing to play and is able to play in supporting that in the home. You know, I appreciate so much of what you say. I feel like during this pandemic in particular, ideally I've become a better parent and I've become a better parent because I've appreciated better what it means to be a learning ally and how to support my daughters. And I'm curious because too few schools of education prepare their teachers in serious ways in family engagement practices. Are there certain things that you do at Big Picture to prepare the adults, the teachers, to engage families and parents and caregivers genuinely and seriously in the way that you've just described? One of the things that we really stress to our schools is over-communicating is important and it's helpful. And also the flexibility, affording a flexibility for parents to engage in ways that they know they can't. I think oftentimes what we've encountered is parents that work your quote-unquote non-conventional hours and not really sure how they can be supportive is really providing a space and opportunity to connect with those parents and talk about what are some of the other ways that they can be supportive. 
We also use a lot of our older parents, right, parents that have young people that have been in our schools and have engaged in a variety of ways that are also ambassadors, if you will, right, and connect with parents in supporting them and talking through what are the different ways that we can engage within the school. We do also provide an opportunity for just mental health support, right? Like there are oftentimes like families are just like, hey, I'm stressed. I have a lot of things going on. And it's seldom that a school would say, well, we have a social worker on staff that you could talk with, right? That could support you with kind of some of your parenting because they're feeling like they're not fully in sync with their young person or not really sure on how to address or respond to some of the behaviors that they're seeing in the home. Again, I think for us, it's really about being available and recognizing that our partnership is not just with the student, but it's also with the family. And our goal is to always be flexible and be supportive. Carlos, in that same talk uh, you gave that Greg mentioned earlier, you defined greatness as Martin Luther King Jr. defined it. He said everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And it's interesting in that Fred Rogers, who is a, a major inspiration behind Remake Learning's Tomorrow campaign, he spoke about service very similarly. He said life is for service, that the whole point of learning and human development is to make life better for our neighbors. And I'm wondering how that belief manifests at Big Picture Learning. Your school's website states that you are activists who lead with love. What is the role of service at Big Picture Learning schools? In an oversimplified way, one of the phrases that we use is that our responsibility is to continue to lift while we climb and that we ask our young people to consider that the same, right, in their work and in their lives. And it starts with how we model a genuine and authentic desire to want to understand context, a community, even if the adults that work in our schools may not be from those communities in a lot of cases. But there is this desire to also support them in addressing some of the injustices that exist in their communities while still supporting them to continue to, quote unquote, find their way and their way towards what we would say family sustaining careers, right? And lives of their own design in a lot of ways. For us, it's both and like we can't ignore all that is happening around the world of our young people while trying to just say we're going to educate them recognizing the beautiful and impactful communities that they come from and their commitment to those places. And when we say activists, there's an emphasis on activating, which is why we say activists. So we talk about activating the power and potential of communities, of students, of schools, of people, of parents. So we do take the activist stance pretty seriously as an organization. How can people find out more about the work you're doing? please check us out at bigpicture.org and, of course, on Twitter and social media at BigPickLearning. Carlos, before we go, just one more question. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I'm going to borrow for a second, which I do often from a good friend, Ron Berger, who's often said and when he speaks around this culture of critique, which I think applies to more than just the spirit of critiquing student work or individuals. He's always said, I think it's important to be kind, be specific, and be helpful in all our interactions and in all our work. So if folks kept that centered in engagements and conversations, whether they be difficult or not, I think we'd see a lot of great changes. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, 
a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org slash tomorrow.